Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. So I want to welcome everybody back to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. My name is David Stoker and today I'm with Joshua Lean. How is everyone out there? So today we are going to be talking about expectations. I expect it to be good. Uh, I expect us to talk about really, I think it's a place where a lot of people set themselves up for uh, unhappiness. That's so good. You know, (laughs) I think uh, a lot of times people create, uh, let's say, false expectations or unrealistic expectations, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like... Like I'm going to put a hundred dollars into cryptocurrency and uh-huh. it's going to be worth a million dollars 10 years. from. Okay. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that happened for that, some people. Th- yes. So what I'm saying though. I feel so like that was an unrealistic expectation, right? I mean, that's like winning a lottery. Yeah. Now to do it now, maybe that's an unrealistic <laughs> expectation. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to buy Bitcoin and it's going to, okay, that was a really bad example. <laughs> cryptocurrency has been on my mind lately. Uh-huh. Uh, because I realized how much it was worth and had somebody try to talk me into investing $1,000 back when it was $5 a coin, and I didn't. Oh, man. And if I would have just invested 100 bucks, Wow. Right? 100 bucks would be 20 coins, which would <laughs> well, be worth... Like 40 Gs a piece right now, right? Uh, between almost, Right at 50. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be worth about a million bucks on a $100 investment. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. So let's get back. But that is, that's an unrealistic expectation right. where people think, hey, I'm going to to do something and it's going, it will have this amazing mm. return. Now, I could say, hey, I would like to in the hopes that. Right, right. But when I set myself up to think, okay, you know what, I've never, uh, I'm sober now. Uh-huh. Or, uh, you know, um, maybe I have abstinence-based recovery and right. I say, you know, I'm abstinent now and I'm never going to use again. Right. And then they have a slip, mm-hmm. a recurrence of, of use, uh, maybe that goes chaotic, and right. they just throw it all out the window. Right, right. I agree. And it's like um, expectations, just like controlling versus hopeful ones, right? The controlling ones say, I'm never going to I'm never gonna slip again. You know, I'm going to make a million dollars in Bitcoin, right? Hopeful. Right. Different, different expectation right, right there. And I think, what did they say? Never and always aren't true. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've got a friend that's a mathematician and he, oh. he will basically tell you 100% is statistically improbable, if uh-huh. not impossible. Right. You know, like when somebody's like, I'm going to give it 110%, I'm like, that's not actually possible. <laughs> um, right. Um, maybe you can give it. That's why I talk about my dad, uh, uh-huh. you know, and I say back in the day, he was a what, what they called a functioning alcoholic. Mm, sure. And basically what that meant was his 70% was as good as everybody else's 99, mm-hmm. not 100. Right, right. Because I don't think you can, you know, yeah. give 100% for, right. especially for long periods right. of time. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm always leery when I hear people say I'm never, or I'm always, 
you know, yeah. or you always, or you never. Or, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I heard somebody once say, "If you, uh, the best way to make God laugh is to tell him your plans for the day, right? <laughs> right, it's so uh, true. Because I have no idea. I, uh-huh. I've, I think that's why they have that song, I hear tell the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> yes. You know, um, uh, but at the same time, I don't want people to get caught up in the autos and the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Right, right? yeah. Because I think that in and of itself uh-huh. can also be extremely negative. For a lot of people. I agree. I agree. You know, and I think in the 12 step community, like the, um, they refer to expectations a lot of times as premeditated resentments, right? It's this idea that if I set these controlling type of expectations instead of a hopeful type of expectation, it's just setting me up for resentment. You know, uh, one of the, I tell people one of the hardest lessons I ever learned was that, uh, just because something is my Passion doesn't mean it's somebody else's. Right. And I used to get mad at people. Yeah. I'm like, you know, uh, at one point we were trying to get a Pepsi refresh grant to make a documentary Uh to take into schools. Uh, And back with the Pepsi refresh grants, like the top 10 vote getters. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Got it. And we ended up coming in 11th. (laughs) Uh, We just missed out on the Uh 25,000. And I was just like, I was shocked. I'm Uh like, wait a minute. We were going to... That was going to pay for us to do the documentary and to provide it in schools right. several times um, for free. Mm-hmm. How yeah. in the world, when I looked at the ones that won, like eight of them were for cats and dogs, were for like animals wow. and shelters and stuff like like animal yeah, shelters yeah. and, you know, this project to get pets spayed and neutered. And right. I'm just like... How can people right. care more about animals mm-hmm. than they care about the youth of our country? Right. yeah. And I realized that over time, I realized I had an expectation that oh. everybody would be passionate about right. it because I was passionate about it. Right. It reminds me of like, do you remember that time you had me do like the news was coming here and you had me do that story on syringe access? Right. Right. And I thought everybody would be like, yeah. where to go? And I, I I had to stop reading. Remember, I had to meet with you. I came to your house and talked to you about it because of how vile the comments got. Right. And I feel like you, you told me a story about... Um, Man, I wish I could remember. Maybe you can remember exactly what it was. It was a story about burning a bridge. Um, oh, how did it go? It was like... Um, so, so a long time ago. Uh-huh. I And that's why I say your passion's the church. Mm-hmm. I think you uh, really like advocating for recovery, but your true passion's the church. Right, you're right. a pastor. That's what you're called yep. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had written a blog uh-huh. many, many moons ago um, about the uh, secularization of the church. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, a faith-based blog that I wrote mm-hmm. and um, my pastor read this blog and mm. invited me out to eat and mm. he invited me and my wife out for dinner mm-hmm. and he met us at the restaurant and we sat right. down and he looked at me and he said, so how can I help you find a new church to attend? <laughs> oh. What? Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, well, obviously you're unhappy here, so I need to find you a new place to go. Um. And hmm. and I called up my mentor and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. And he was like, he said, you know, he said, I, I'm glad that, that your passion is making change in the church. And I was like, but that's not my passion. Yeah. My passion is recovery. Right. And supporting people um, that have active substance use. And he was like, oh, he said, then, then why would you write something that would burn a bridge? Hmm. 
if it's not your passion. He said, if That's it's your passion, it was, yeah. burn away. Right. He said, but if it's not your passion, how many people are on the other side of that bridge? And he was he was right. Right. Um, I, it was the church that I'd gone to for years. I mm-hmm. mean, I'd been saved there, baptized there. Uh, and, and when I left, it was almost like a breakup after you've been together for years yeah. with somebody where... Your friends and my friends are now our friends, uh-huh. <laughs> and they right? feel like they have to make a choice, even uh-huh. though nobody explicitly said, hey. Mm. So I stopped getting phone calls, and I stopped getting invited out to do things from all the people that I'd gone to church with that had become my family, because when I got saved and so before I got saved and sober, um, and before that, I was an agnostic, mm-hmm. and um, I was actively using, so I went from... And it's weird. Whenever I was an agnostic, all, all my friends were atheists and agnostics. And mm. after I got saved, I had a lot of friends that were atheists and agnostic that really didn't want to be around me anymore. Right, right. Um, just like I got, uh, I stopped using, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that used, right, stopped hanging out. Yeah, I you get know, that. Uh-huh. Um, they weren't calling anymore because it'd be like, hey, let's go to the bar and get drunk, and I'd be like, um, n- no, I do it. Yeah, um, I'll go out to dinner with you, and then right. you can go to the bar after if you want to. Right. No, I'm good. Um, you know, and they felt Uh, like they couldn't drink in front of me and they felt like, you know, um, I'm like, dude, you can drink in front of me. I don't care. Right. Um, right. I know tons of people that don't have problems with alcohol. You're good. You do do whatever you want to. If I go to your house and you spark up a joint, that's fine. Just Mm. know I'm not going to hit it. Yeah. Right. Right? Um, and that's not something that, uh, that drives me anymore, but, but yeah, they felt like they had to make a choice and they made a choice. And because of that. It felt like I lost a lot of friends mm. and because they're on the other side of that bridge. And if right. I wouldn't have burned that bridge, that wasn't my passion. Huh. Interesting. So how did that tie into the... To, so for me, like we, you were telling me that story, and that's that's exactly what it was, right? You, and you said, you know, you were telling me that story. Like you need to make sure, right? You're recording this, you know, you're on here and you're seeing how people are going to lash out. Because that's what happened is I did that syringe access, you know, I think it was, what, it was KY3, I don't remember, Color 10, whatever it was on. And um, like just so many vile comments, right? Yeah, people suck. <laughs> I mean, really, you know. Uh-huh. And you had to, I had to, you know, we had to sit down and talk and you had to be like, Josh, I mean, to burn this bridge, you got to make sure this is what you're passionate about, right? Yeah. And I had to make that decision in that. Yeah. And that's a rough one. I also told you not to read comments. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just don't read the comments. Uh-huh. Uh, I will get stuck in comments. Like like my wife will even be like, I'll be like, hey, that post. And she'll be like, don't read the comments. Mm-hmm. But maybe. And if I do, I'm generally in there till like three in the three or four in the morning. Right. And I have this expectation Mm. That I'm going to be able to uh, to talk to people right. and, and use some logic mm-hmm. and some facts, right. and it's going to change their belief on social media, and that is not an expectation that I have ever found success with. Right, a- and it ends up with me getting more and more frustrated right. as the conversations go back and forth, mm-hmm. and I realize that when people speak about things they have faith in mm-hmm. above logic. Because there's a large space right. between our brain and our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, when th- when they speak about something that they truly believe in, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much logic I hit them with. Right. And logically, I can have a conversation with you, and it's not going to be personal because I'm not invested. Right. Like, so I good. know what I'm speaking to you is fact. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm not going to start calling you names and cussing you out because right. I know that I am right. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's coming from a place of belief, not logic, mm-hmm. they tend to get their feelings up in it too. Right, right. You That's know, so because true. now you're challenging something that 
well, I believe him, but I can't really back it up. Right. I, right. I might have some, I mean, if I have any kind of uh, information at all uh, or research right. is anecdotal research, like, oh, well, you know, I mean, my sister's beautician's dog's <laughs> groomer. Right. Um, uh, she. Uh-huh. There yeah. was a needle there, and he was like, well, I've never shot up, but since there's a needle here, I think I'll try. <laughs> right? uh, when the truth is, I know people, you know, I, I assessed somebody yesterday mm-hmm. that was like, yeah, I used for, you know, he used for three decades and never shot up because he doesn't like syringes. He's like, yeah, they're around. I don't like needles. Why well, would I put a needle in my arm? I don't like them. Mm, right? right? It's like right. black licorice. Right. I like sweets. Right. Um, but when I was a little kid, I tried black licorice, no. and uh, since I was like, Four or five, when uh-huh. I try black licorice, guess how many times I've ate black licorice? <laughs> None. Me I don't too. like black licorice. Yeah, so sure. there could be a mound of it and oh. no other candy in the world. And I'd be like, nah, fam, I'm good. good. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it, it right? right? And you think about like those comments, like you're saying, like, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to walk them through it till three or four in the morning, right? But here's the issue is, is if, if they started out that comment with, Oh, just let them die in the street. They're just a junkie, anyways, right? Right. To, to really to make that swing, even if you even if you hit them with the logic, right? There's so much emotion involved in that, and admitting they're wrong at the same time is uh that's that's a that is a hill to climb, and it's an expectation, right? Like it can have a hopeful one, but it can't be a controlling one. Or I can I can I can make them see the truth in this because it's it's not necessarily going to happen, especially on social media. Yeah. I mean, if I can sit down and talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that brings me to, uh, I had a philosophy professor, Mm -hmm. and his definition of intelligence was the ability to argue both sides. That's so good. He said, if I can't see it from both sides, then I'm not truly intelligent because I need to know what why people are against it and Uh how to refute that just as much as i need to know why people are for it and how to refute that so good he said because if i don't know their side then i'm not truly intelligent about it i know like when it comes to syringe access i know why people are against it right and statistically you know in re there's research and study after study that shows they're wrong Mm -hmm. you know absolutely so you can come at me but i know how you're going to come at me and there's studies out there that show no actually it it causes uh, people to contract HIV and Hep C mm-hmm. at a lower rate. Right. Um, right. Actually, if you look at communities that have syringe access uh, sites, they actually have less syringes, not right. more, right. that are on the ground because right. they bring their syringes in. Yes, and it creates that human contact when it's time. When it's time. Yeah, to they're step actually into more likely to go yes. into treatment. Yeah. Um. Uh. And if not, they're still more likely to live a little longer and healthier life. Mm. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's harm reduction and that's what harm reduction is about. And that's what being a peer is about, right? Is meeting somebody where they're at and helping them work on their goals. Mm. And their goal may be to use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay, you're going to continue using, but man, are you using sterile syringes? Mm. Have you been hep C tested? You know, um, let's do some things so that you can use safer. Yep. And once again... I have an expectation that's a smart thing to do. But, <laughs> right. man, you talk about that, uh-huh. Ooh, you get your butt kicked. Right, especially here in the 417. There oh, my no gosh, yeah, it. here in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. It's funny. I was talking to um, to my wife yesterday. We are talking about, 
your intelligence quote, you know, knowing the story from both sides, right? That's truly intelligence really makes a lot of sense because we're talking about Starbucks, like, and doing the mobile orders, right? Right. You can, like, it's so convenient. Like, you do a mobile order, you just walk in and grab your drink and you're gone. But yet there's still a line out to the road, right? Every day, all day long. And I, and I was, I'm just so curious why it is that people still get in line at the drive through at Starbucks when they could do this mobile order. And I was saying, you know what? I just like to ask them because I want to know their side. Right. They have to have a reason, right? And so truly for me to be intelligent, I need to go to the start asking these people in the line at Starbucks, well, why, why aren't you using the mobile orders, right? right? There's got to be a reason, right? And so then then you have that kind of intelligence and you can talk about... Well, it's, it's like that about faith, uh-huh. you know. Um, I've been very turned off before. We, uh, we went to this Bible study. It was some Logos uh, study mm-hmm. that they had a small group on. And basically it was learning about other religions. Hmm. And I think I lasted about four weeks uh-huh. until they got to the section on the Jehovah's Witness uh-huh. faith, right. which is what I was raised uh-huh. and what my dad and stepmom were. Right. And I mean, right. I mean, had an uncle that, that retired from their uh, world headquarters, mm-hmm. one of my uncles and aunts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was steeped in it. And as I listened, I'm like... That's not what they believe. I mean, so they were literally teaching people fallacies. And how can you sit there and have a logical discussion with somebody when you don't know what they truly believe? So what you're talking about is true. I could say, Starbucks, why do you think people do this? Or Um, I could go up to the people themselves and go, hey. Right. You know, if I want to find out something about you. uh, Like I remember the first time I worked with somebody who was Wiccan. Uh I was like, man, I'm sorry, but... I don't know anything about Wicca outside of the, Anne Rice novels that right, I've read. Or the craft. Right. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. So that's I'm obviously like, not so true. I'm like, so can you explain to me what being Wiccan means to you right. and what it looks like for you uh-huh. as a practicing Wiccan, uh-huh. right? And then, of course, we go through a FICA and we look at their faith and how important it is uh-huh. to them and everything else right. after but, but yeah, I mean, if you want to know something about somebody, ask. Otherwise, once again, we have unrealistic expectations because I walk in thinking I know uh-huh. something that I don't. Right, right. And then when that gets shattered, then a lot of times, because I, maybe I'm so bullheaded or, <laughs> you know, I'm at uh-huh. a place where I'm like, well, obviously I couldn't have been wrong. Mm, right, right. So, um they must be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know what you really believe. <laughs> right. This is what this. you believe. Light is a feather, stiff as a board. That's what you do. We know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, and you worship Satan and you fly around on brooms. <laughs> we know. Um, right. With the knob facing forward, not backward. <laughs> I've seen it on Harry Potter. I know what's up. Right. right. Um, so we come in with these expectations and when they're not met, a lot of times because of our pride. Yep. And because 100%. we think we're intelligent when we're mm-hmm. not. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's an issue. Yeah, I and it's it is and that's what causes like the stigma really around addiction a lot of times that to that for that 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 gap to stay so wide, right? It's because people even if you can hit them with the logic in it, they don't want to hear it, right? You know, because their expectation is, is that they're right. You know, I am right about this, and it, you know, uh, I think again it goes back, you know, for us, right, to be in, in the position that we are to be. Um, to know the difference between having controlling expectations and hopeful expectations, you know, right? Because what happens is, is if it's a controlling expectation, what it is is it's gonna, um, it's gonna become an unmet expectation, which is gonna create frustration or anger in our life, right? And, and I think almost all anger and all frustration can almost always be trust, 
traced back to some kind of unmet expectation, you know, uh, and it's something usually going on inside of us. So if we can, if we can get a clear view of that, uh, and, and, and we can say, man, is this expectation I have a controlling one? Am I thinking that I can control this outcome or is this a hopeful expectation? You yeah. Know? So so if you're listening to this, look up what's called the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of it? I have. Uh, basically, what it states is that there is a group of people mm-hmm. and at times we may be one of them, mm-hmm. uh, that think they know far more about subject matter than they really do. Mm-hmm. They believe they know more than the experts. I remember seeing a quote. Uh, I actually remember seeing a, a video of somebody who was talking about uh, solar uh, solar power. Um, actually, he was talking about wind turbines uh-huh. and he was like windmills. You know, he said, uh-huh. I've read a lot about them. I know more than the experts. Um, something about dead birds too or something? I don't yeah. remember exactly. Well, well, anyway, we'll get off that. But, <laughs> but the truth is, I mean, there's a, a lot of people that think they know more than the experts. Right. I mean, you know, look at 2020, man. Everybody all of a sudden was a blood pathologist. <laughs> and it's almost like Fight Club. Um, right? The first rule of the Dunning-Kruger Club is uh-huh. not knowing that you're in uh-huh. the Dunning-Kruger Club. <laughs> right? It's not that I... First right. rule of Fight Club, there is no Fight Club. No, the first rule of this club know. is you don't know no, you're right. in this club because you truly think that uh-huh. you're an expert. And because of that, you have unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. because you know everything and you don't have to listen to people. And once again, this is where we take anecdotal stuff uh-huh. or stuff we've heard. And the problem with that is inherent mm-hmm. when you live in a country that is uh, bicameral. Right, right. You know, when we live in a country that has two major sides. right. And we have a right side that spins it way conservative, uh-huh. and we have a left side that uh-huh. spins it way progressive. Right. And the truth sometimes is somewhere, somewhere in between in right. those two, Yes, um, because there doesn't tend to be absolutes. Uh, but I know that I have this base mm. that if I spin it way over here... Mm-hmm. Because they're experts and they know more than everybody else, they're going to believe me because I'm also impacted by the Dunning-Kruger effect where I think I know more than everybody as well. Right. That's right? So, good. so it's why people ignore what doctors say. It's mm-hmm. why people, you know, oh, well, I'm not going to get my kids vaccinated. That's the dumbest thing ever <laughs> right, because right. they might get, you know... Um, Autism. Autism, right. Because I've heard a lot of people and I've read a lot of books where it says that. Okay, but would you rather say that it was true? Uh Would you rather your kid have a, you know, a less than 1% chance Mm. of getting, say, autism, Mm -hmm. if that were the truth? truth. Uh, Right. There's a really interesting thing that Penn and Teller do about this, but but, yeah, go watch it. (laughs) But, uh, or would you rather your kid have like a 10% chance of dying from measles, mumps, rubella, you know, um, getting polio, all these other things uh, that we used to worry about. I mean, when's the last time somebody was like, oh my God, my kid was born with polio. Right. Right. (laughs) No. Not here in the United States. No, not at all. Because we have vaccinated our way out of it and Uh made sure that kids are staying safe. Right. Uh, So... Can you be born with polio? I don't even know. I mean, it's so far removed <laughs> from the lexicon know. of what right. we talk about. I know. Once I again, agree. not Dunning-Kruger. I know I am not an expert on polio. Um, <laughs> yes. At right. All. Right. You know, scurvy, man. No more scurvy either. Right? Yeah. You know, start eating some vitamin C. Good to roll. Yeah. So, so maybe sometimes I need to listen to the professionals and mm-hmm. the people that maybe have a little more knowledge than I do. Right. Um, 
and not have an expectation that I'm the expert at everything. Yeah, it's you so know? true. I know some people that are really mad mm-hmm. because they they have proclaimed themselves experts. Mm-hmm. Now, number one way I know you're not an expert, when you're the one that tells me right. you're an expert and nobody right. else does. I'm an expert at this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it comes to this, man, I'm the person you need to talk to. Okay. Um, can I get references from some <laughs> professionals? Right. Um, you know, that you've uh, worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, we've done that with substance use, mm-hmm. you know, so um, imagine uh, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to treat your cancer. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. So right. are you an oncologist? No, but I had cancer once. <laughs> right. And now right. I don't. Right. Because I went through therapy. Uh huh. Um, now that peer support is super important, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, there is a co-occurring thing on the other yeah. side of it. He's- and we need professionals to work with the trauma, the depression, the anxiety, right. not just the layman. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Um, it's why a lot of churches, I think, are I, I'm glad when I hear of churches that refer out. Yes. Where they're not like, well, no, I'm the expert on everything oh gosh, because I'm right. just going to pray it away. Right. You know, I'm going to lay a hand on you <laughs> and I'm going to say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, mm. don't use heroin and don't think about all the abuse you had as a child. In oh, the name of God, the, the right? two-syllable two God, syllable God so not the one-syllable God. We absolutely are going to pray for you. And then I'm absolutely going to send you a phone number of, of the counselors that we use, and we're going to Do refer both. you out. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we're doing both. I was at a thing uh, where I was talking about how the church has uh, how the church kept me out. It mm-hmm. was weird. I was asked to come speak at a uh, – it was actually a, a black Pentecostal pastor mm-hmm. conference. Mm-hmm. Like – there was me and um, there was one of the uh, the bishop's wives uh-huh. that that had the same amount of melanin and oh, wow. everybody else was yes. black, uh-huh. you know, and that was one of the things I talked about there. And there was a pastor from uh, Nigeria that was mm-hmm. there and he's like, so in our country, that's what we do. We pray for mm-hmm. them. And I was like, that's good, but can't we do both? Yeah. 100%. You know, I'm like, uh, right. I'm not saying don't yeah. pray for somebody, but I'm saying uh-huh. pray for them and then right. hand them over to professionals. Make that referral. Yeah. Say, hey, here's some people you can call. Here's some right. places you can go. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we want to deal with something so that it's not still there. And I, I, I truly believe that some people... Mm-hmm. Prayer is enough for. Right. Some people it's not. Right. And you gotta you know. go, we've got to walk that. I think about this, that, you know, the scripture talks about to, to go forth and multiply, to work the land, right? The same reason you can build this tablet I'm looking out of, out of stuff out of the ground, right? It's the same thing we do with medicine. Like God gave us a brain to walk through those things for a reason, right? And to create... Uh, to, to create therapy, to create, to create, um, to create healing through those ways. Yeah. When I speak to somebody in the faith community um, and, and they're like, yeah, well, I don't believe in that. I'm like, so what I'm hearing you say is that God gifted people mm-hmm. the ability to, say, be a therapist and to make that connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. God gave somebody the wisdom and intelligence needed to create this medication. Mm-hmm. But you're going to defy God who gave people these talents oh. and gifts according to your belief right. and not use them. Right. It's 100%. To me, true. that's unbiblical. Yep, I agree. You know, Absolutely. I'm not going to drive in cars uh, <laughs> because that's not how God made the world. <laughs> If right. I want to get somewhere, I'll just go pray. Got right. Exactly. Take right. me right there. He he took Elijah up in the chariot of fire. It's got so I'm going to travel too. That's man. right. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. Same thing. <laughs> expectation. Unrealistic expectation. <laughs> Not going to be met, man. You're going to be have frustration because of it. No, that's awesome. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> no chariot so, yeah. of fire. So yeah. So. 
don't fill yourself full of other people's shoulda, woulda, coulda. Oh, yes. Um, because those are expe- that that's how I know I, I have an expectation of somebody else is when I think they should have done something or or they could have done something. Mm. Uh, because the truth is I have no idea <laughs> the reality of their situation and why they mm. may or may not have done something. Yep. So so true. You cannot put them in that container of expectation. You can't yeah. do it. Yeah, because you just, you don't know. Um, and same thing, I shouldn't muster always other people or myself. Right. Because that tends to set up an unrealistic expectation too, mm-hmm. because sometimes things just don't work out. Right. You right. know. Yeah. Um, there's people that probably bought Bitcoin at $5 mm-hmm. and they saw it go to a couple thousand and then they call it bull runs. Right. Where they... they land back down uh-huh. after uh-huh. and probably sold it at like 50 bucks because right. they're like, man, it's going to keep going down. down. Yeah. I don't want to lose anymore. Like at least this way, of people did, I'm sure. at least this way I made 10 times my money, uh-huh. not realizing that it was going to shoot up to 10,000 times, Yeah, you know, um, because they're like, well, this is what's going to happen. It must be like this. Uh-huh. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, you can't have, like, again, it's controlling versus hopeful expectations, man. This is what's going to happen, you know? And it's, you're going to you wind don't know. up frustrated. I invested money in cryptocurrency uh-huh. um, last week uh-huh. for the first time ever. Uh-huh. And I sat down, talked to my wife about it, and uh-huh. I'm like, hey, we've got this money. All right. um, let's put a, some of it uh-huh. into this. Uh-huh. I said, worst case scenario. We're going to lose it, but we can afford to lose it. Right, right. Uh, best case scenario, you know, $1,000 becomes 100000 or a million bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would rather 10 years from now be right. happy yeah. and not kicking myself in the butt. Right, right. Uh, but my expectation is I'm right. going to let it sit there for 10 years and it could be good. It could be bad. You didn't quit your job yet. Right. <laughs> not quit my job and I'm not getting a second mortgage on my house so right. I can buy uh, invest in Bitcoin, uh-huh. right? So that's kind of what we need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, period is we need to not have those unrealistic expectations and just realize, you know, I always say it this way. It may not always work out the way I want it to, but it always works out the way it's supposed to. Mm, that's good. Right? good. And sometimes good. life's supposed to kick you in the teeth. Right. It just, it is. It does. No. Um, there may be a lesson in that. And sometimes horrible things happen and there's no explanation. Right. Agreed. So... I agree. And so yeah, any parting words as we wind down? I think that it's just important that, um, especially in the recovery community, that we understand realistic versus unrealistic, right? And, and that if we're if we're going to set an expectation, it, the realistic one is you're hopeful, right? Unrealistic is saying I'm going to control this, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, I stopped using, and now everything's going to be lemon drops and lollipops, rainbows and cotton candy. No. Um, I'm going to pull up to get gas and the guy's going to hop out and be like, Hey, I'm going to not only pump your gas today and check your oil and clean your windows. I'm actually going to pay for your right. gas today because you're sober. <laughs> right? Yes. Way to kill uh-huh. it, buddy. Keep mm. doing it. <laughs> not. That's not realistic. Right. Realistic is I'm in recovery, but that doesn't mean people still aren't going to lie to me. Mm, so true. Uh, it doesn't mean that the engine in my car still isn't going to blow or my transmission's going to go out. Oh, right. Exactly. Um, because that's just consequences of life. Yep. So yeah, the way for me to avoid setting myself up for failure is to have realistic expectations and maybe not to be so you know, super pessimist without being a little op, uh, a little 
mm-hmm. optimistic or to right. not be super optimistic without right. being a little pessimistic, right? right? right. Like, yes. like I plan for the absolute best. Right, expect the best. But I prepare for, for the, the absolute worst, worst right? Zig Ziglar, right there, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my advice as we wind this podcast down is uh, be realistic with your expectations. Mm-hmm. Don't set yourself up to be disappointed mm-hmm. by putting things on yourself that you must do or can't do mm-hmm. um, or putting could ofs and should ofs on other people mm-hmm. when they don't meet your expectations of them. Yep, I agree. I agree, I agree. And if you find yourself walking around frustrated a lot, there's a chance that you are suffering from a case of unmet expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard it once in a meeting called masturbation, <laughs> where I sit there and I'm like, must, must, must. And I'm putting out everything I must do and everything uh-huh. else everybody else must do. And it literally, a lot of times, causes people to go back to using because they get so frustrated and overwhelmed and right. disappointed that they're like, well, it was better out there when I was getting high. So true. At least I didn't have these expectations. Okay. Expectations aren't part of sobriety. Mm. No. no. You know, it's, um, so it's, it's not a magic pill. amen alrighty then we will talk to you guys next week yes alright have a good one guys in closing I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast please join us every week for new episodes if you want to connect with us further if you have any questions topics you'd like to hear in the future or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com uh, there's the Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sif Pop Writers Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for SifPop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sif Pop Writers Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sif Pop Writers Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first.